Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you who have mothers and all of you that are mothers. And uh, we're so grateful for you and the role you play in our lives and glad that you're choosing to celebrate part of your Mother's Day uh, here with us. And uh, I, I want to say a special welcome also to those who today's a, a little more difficult maybe than uh, a celebration. And that's always the case on special days like today. For many people, it's a, a wonderful day. For other people, it's kind of a hard day. Maybe the, there's some tension in their relationship to their mother, or maybe there's tension in relationship to a child, or maybe the desire to be a parent uh, has been there for a while and, and uh, has not been fulfilled. And so I know that on, t- on today, both in person and joining us online, there are people that today's a little bit more difficult, and we see you, and we know you, and we appreciate you worshiping with us, even though today's a little bit uh, difficult for you. Uh, if you're new, and I know some of you are, I know some of you are here because uh, of the baby dedication, and so you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks. We've been in a series called When in Doubt, and we've just been really honest about the fact that uh, all of us go through doubt, all of us face doubt from time to time. We all have questions when it comes to faith, when it comes to spirituality, and that's not something new. We've looked at multiple people in the Bible that we thought should be really strong followers of Jesus, and, and they had these moments in their life, they had seasons in their life where they just had questions, where they doubted. And if you walk with Jesus for very long, if you're a follower of Christ for very long, you'll have some of those come up. You'll have a, I don't understand, or why does God do that, or why doesn't he do something else? Is there a God? Is, is this really real? And, and so we've just admitted that that's a part of life, and, and it's part of our spiritual experience, but it's not a part we want to get stuck in. We don't want to make our home there. We don't want to live as a doubter on and on throughout our life. We want to walk through that season of our life, however long it lasts, but we want to keep moving forward. And today I want to, I want to talk about some steps you can take, some practical, practical, tangible things that you and I can do in those seasons of doubt. But before we get to those, let me just remind us, since, since we have some first-timers here today, let me just remind us of a, a theme that I, I've tried to weave throughout this whole discussion And it's the principle that we need to be gentle and gracious with those who doubt. As followers of Jesus, as a church, as a pastor, we want to be gentle. We want to be gracious. We want to be patient with people who doubt because we've all doubted. We've all had those times. And I, I say that knowing that sometimes doubters can be difficult, right? Sometimes doubters either with pure motives or or not so pure motives can be a little antagonistic they can be a little hostile and sometimes that's just because they're frustrated they're they're trying to get deep spiritual questions answered and they haven't been able to find an answer and so they can be we can be a little defensive when we're doubting and that's why it's so important for for those of us who are in seasons of great confidence and belief to be patient to be gentle with those who are struggling. In Jude, it's, it's almost at the end of your Bible. It's just one chapter, but in verse 22, Jude writes, be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who doubt. He's just in, encouraged his readers to be confident, be strong. Don't listen to false teachers. Know what you believe. And then he slips this in. He said, but you know, some of you, some of you are gonna doubt and let's be patient with each other when that happens. 
We're not all going to be at the same place in our belief and confidence level. And so let's, let's be gentle. Let's be gracious. I like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in uh, the message. Peterson writes, go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go easy. Go easy. Be gentle. Be patient. Go easy on those who hesitate, who have some questions, who, who don't understand all of the whys or all of the connections. Go easy. I would say let's not only go easy on other people who are doubting, but this principle applies to ourselves as well, right? I would say to you, go easy on yourself when you begin to doubt. Be patient with yourself. Be, be gracious with yourself. Turn that principle around to you that when you begin to struggle, take a deep breath and be patient with you. Again, I'm not being dismissive of doubts. We have to move through our doubts. We have to keep moving towards Jesus when we doubt, but be patient when those questions happen to you. Don't, don't throw your hands up and give up. Be patient. Be generous. Walk slowly if you need to through seasons of doubt because you're not alone, as we talked about. You're not alone in your doubts. We've talked about Thomas doubting. We've talked about Peter doubting. I want to talk about another character in the Bible in Matthew chapter 11 uh, who doubted. His name was John. He's not the John who wrote the gospel of John, not John the disciple. We sometimes call him John the Baptist or John the baptizer because that was his role. He baptized people with a baptism of repentance. So he had this very bold ministry of calling people to turn away from their sin, repent of their sin. And that message was to prepare them for the Messiah that was going to come to be able to forgive their sins. He had a very interesting start to his life. An angel appeared to his dad and said, you're going to have a son in your old age, and you're going to name him John, even though nobody else in your family is named John. You're going to call him John, and he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. John had heard this story his whole life. Right? This, is, this was the narrative of John's life. John, you've been called by God. We know it. Your dad talked to an angel before you were born. You have been called by God for a special purpose, John. This was the soundtrack of his life. He had heard this story again and again and again. Imagine being friends with his parents. How many times his parents said, have we told you about the time the angel appeared and told us that John was going to be our son? And their friends go, yes, you've told us like a hundred times. Please don't tell us again. We don't need to hear the story again. John had heard the story over and over. Angel appeared. You're called by God. You're to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then when he begins to preach, and he does that very thing. He preaches boldly and confidently, and sometimes he's confrontational with the religious leaders. At one point, John teaches in Matthew 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John really believed this stuff. He really believed that a Messiah was coming and his name was Jesus and he was going to have this incredible ministry. As a matter of fact, the day that Jesus launches his earthly ministry, John's teaching and John stops what he's doing and points at Jesus and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John didn't say, look, it might be the Lamb of God. 
he didn't say look that guy thinks he's the man uh, the lamb of God that could be the lamb of God John said look the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world John believed he was confident he was sure and yet in Matthew chapter 11 we read in verse 2 when John who was in prison and let's don't rush past that let's don't skip over it let's let's appreciate the fact that John is no longer preaching out in the wilderness right John is not even free John has gone from preaching to prison and that will do something to you right when our circumstances change it is not unusual for us to start to have questions when life gets hard it is not unusual for us to begin to have doubts when life doesn't make sense when life isn't fair and let's be honest life is hardly ever fair we can always come up with a reason why life isn't fair in this moment and in those moments we are very tempted to cash in our confidence and exchange it for questions and that's where John is he was so confident he believed and now he's got some questions when John who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah he sent his disciples to ask him to ask Jesus are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else this confident bold guy then an angel announced his birth who has been preaching the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world life got hard and his reaction is jesus are you really the one is it really you am i wasting my time am i wasting my life is this real John doubted even John doubted and so when you begin to have questions those questions aren't unusual they're not strange they're not out of the ordinary we sometimes go through those times even John did I'm not going to read how Jesus answered yet we're going to come back to that in just a minute but notice what Jesus says about John in verse 7 as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Like just in all the other cases of doubt, Jesus doesn't scold. Jesus doesn't belittle. Jesus doesn't shame Jesus is patient and more than patient Jesus says to the crowd that day John's like the greatest who's ever lived you, you were attracted to him why you were attracted because he kind of said whatever a popular opinion was he kind of swayed in the wind no that's not why you were attracted to him 
You weren't attracted to him because he was some show. You weren't attracted to him because he was trying to build his own wealth and materialism. You were attracted to him because he spoke the truth and he spoke it confidently. He knew what he believed and that drew you in and you went out to see him. John reminds the crowd and John's disciples are all beginning to go back and so they're hearing this and no doubt they're going to tell John what Jesus said. Jesus reminds the crowd that this moment of doubt does not define John. This question doesn't define John. Was it a good question? I don't know. Was it the right question? I don't know. But it was John's question. It was the one that he couldn't get out of his mind. And Jesus says to the crowd, you know John really believes. You know who John really is. When you and I doubt, <clears throat> Jesus is there to remind us that this season of doubt isn't all there is to us. There is more in us. There is belief. There is a confidence inside of us. But notice the takeaway from John. Here's one of the things I think John teaches us in this moment is that it's okay to ask the question that you have. It's okay to ask the question. When in doubt, be willing to ask the question. Often what we do when we're in doubt is we kind of bury the question inside of us. We sort of hide the question inside of us because we're not sure how people are going to react or should I ask this question or is this a good question? Is this the right question? All that matters is that it's your question. It's the one that keeps you up at night. It's the one that you keep asking yourself over and over again. So why not bring it out into the open? I mean, John was bold enough to say, here I am. I don't understand what's going on. I just need to ask this question. It's okay to ask the question. If you have that question, if you have those questions rolling around in your heart, find someone you trust, find someone safe and say, can I just ask this? Can we have this conversation? Can we have a discussion? Because I need to ask somebody this. And so often, as I said, so often what we do is we sort of pull inside and we keep those questions to ourselves. John is such a perfect example. I, I, I don't know if John ever thought to himself, I wonder what Jesus is going to think about this question. Or I wonder what my disciples are going to think about this question. Or I wonder what my family is going to think about this question. I wonder what my friends are going to think about this question. All we know is that John asked the question. John said, this is what I struggle with. This is what I need to get an answer to. And he asked the question. Now, let me qualify that on the other side, because I'm often on the other side of those questions. When people ask, and some of you are often on the other side of someone asking that question. So let me qualify the ask the question principle with this. When in doubt, be patient with people who don't know the answer to your question. Sometimes we think if the first person doesn't have a good answer, then there must not be a good answer. Sometimes we think that all Christians get the answer book when they become Christians, right? They come, they pray their prayer, they give their life to Jesus, and then the pastor says, here's the answers to all of the hard questions about our faith right here. There's not actually one of those books. 
And Christians are at different stages of their beliefs, different stages of their maturity. We've had different experiences. We, we've asked different questions ourselves, but nobody's asked all the questions. And nobody has the answers to all of the questions. So I would say to you, if you're a doubter, if the first person doesn't know, ask somebody else. Ask somebody else. Just like you want people to be patient with your doubts, I'm encouraging you, if you sincerely want to walk through your doubts, I'm encouraging you to be patient with those who may not immediately know the answer to your, to your doubt or to your question. Related to that, I would encourage you, when in doubt, to stay in community, to stay connected. Again, that's not always our initial response to questions. Because sometimes we think, I'm the only one that asked this. Or I've, I've asked the one question that all of, all of Christendom will come crashing down because of my one question. I've found the big one. And so we pull away from community. We pull away from relationships. We pull out of church. We distance ourselves from our small group. We stop serving. We keep walking backwards. And what I want to say to you is when you... Hit seasons of questions and seasons of doubt. Stay connected. Stay in community. Like, this is the best place to work through your doubts. And I know it doesn't always seem that way. But this is the best place to ask questions, to work through doubt, to see other people who ask questions but are still here. Right? Even if you feel like you don't really agree with much of what we say or much of what we sing, be here. Bring that here with you. Stay connected. Stay involved. Ask the question. Because something happens in our heart when we're asking questions, but we're in a room full of people that, that believe in spite of their questions, that believe in spite of their struggles, that, that stand together and they sing the name of Jesus together. Stay connected. Right? Another way of thinking of that is when in doubt, it's better to keep showing up than to give up. It's better to keep showing up, even with your questions, even with your doubts. It's better to keep showing up in community than giving up and walking away. Again, I know that's not our initial response. I know that's what we, not what we normally do. But I just want to encourage you, bring your questions with you. Bring your doubts with you. Don't run away. Don't disconnect. Another uh, principle. When in doubt, remember when you didn't doubt. Right? This will take some reflection. When in doubt, when you have a lot of questions, and they're good questions, and they're valid questions, whatever prompted those questions, they're valid. But as you're working through those doubts... Remember back to a time when you didn't doubt. Right, this is what Jesus does for John. He's talking to the crowd, but I think he's sort of talking to the disciples, and he wants them to go back and, and tell John. And Jesus says, look, you remember John as a, as a bold preacher. That's, that's who he is. He's a prophet. He, he, he spoke the word of God to you. That's who he was. He's in a season of doubt now, but this is who John really is. When you begin to doubt, I, I encourage you to reflect on times in your past when you were sure, when you were certain, when you were confident of God's love for you, of God's work in your life, of God's purposes in your life. 
times that you really believed, you were really confident, you were in. And, and I know the temptation is to say, yeah, but I know things now that I didn't know then. Or I have questions now that I didn't have then. Or my circumstances are different now than it was then. And, and all of that's true. And all of that's valid. But that doesn't change the fact that what you once felt was real. It was authentic. It was true. And when you doubt, I encourage you to think back to times that you've been in worship services before this whole doubt season started in your life. There were times you've been in a worship service and you just knew God was working and you felt it and you experienced it. And I want to say to you, that was real. Just as real as the doubts you may be feeling right now. Remember times in your life when you prayed with people and and you felt God there? Or maybe you prayed a specific prayer and you saw God answer that prayer. That was real. That was real. And I know when we have one doubt or two doubts or we're going through a difficult circumstance, we begin to question everything. And so that's why it's good to think back on those times when you read God's word and it came alive to you. Seasons of your life where you grew spiritually Maybe you served, maybe you went on a mission trip, maybe you got involved in some way in, in somebody's life, and you know God did something. That was real. That's not to diminish your doubt. That's not to say you shouldn't be doubting. That's to say this was real. Like I'm not criticizing you for your doubt. I'm identifying with you. I get it. When those things happen to me, I think back to times in my life where I was confident, I knew, I know God did something. In the Old Testament, God is uh, continuously telling his people to remember, 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 remember. Don't forget this. I want you to remember. He gave them uh, feasts and festivals periodically throughout the calendar. And the, the main reason, other than worshiping God, was that they would remember some great event in their past. Uh, there were times that God told them to make monuments after something great happened. A big pile of rocks, he would tell them. Get those rocks, pile them up here. And then God would say, every time you go past that pile of rocks, I want you to remember this was real. This happened. God showed up. Because God knows, fast forward five years, some of them are going to have questions and doubts. Some of them are going to wonder. And then they're going to pass that pile of rocks. And God was going to say, don't forget, this was real. Sometimes God told him to change the names of places. We're going to call this mountain something else now so that you remember God did something right there. We're going to call this valley something different now because every time you think of this valley, every time you say that name, every time you walk past that valley, I want you to remember what God did right there because it was real. I want you to tell your kids about it. I want you to tell your grandkids about it because you're going to doubt sometimes and you're going to need to remember that was real. That was real. And I, I, I want to encourage some of you, not diminishing your doubts or your questions, get them out there. Let's, let's see if we can get them answered. But remember what has been real in your life about your relationship with Jesus. Remember what has been real about your relationship with God, what he has done in your life, what he has taught you, what he has shown you. Another, another suggestion. 
tangible step. When in doubt, read God's word. And I know for some of you, I get it. I've done this long enough. That is the last thing you wanted me to say, right? Uh, You did not want me to say pray, and you didn't want me to say read God's word because that's what everybody tells you, right? Every time there's a problem, we should pray, we should read God's word. I totally get it. I get it. That's not what you want to hear. I just I just know that God's word speaks for itself better than I can speak for it. And and I don't mean read God's word in order to find problems and holes and 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 things that you don't like. I, I don't mean that. I mean just let God's word speak to your soul. Read the gospels. Be reminded who Jesus is. Notice how he spoke to people. Notice how he interacted with people. Read how much the New Testament writers, many of whom died for him, notice how much they believed that it was real, that Jesus had risen from the dead. Notice how the disciples, almost all of them, gave their life because they believed they saw Jesus die and then they saw him alive again. They believed that that was real to the point that they died for that cause. Read the struggles and questions of the characters of the Old Testament. Just let God's word speak for itself in your life and affirm God's still speaking. God's still working. God's still active. Another suggestion. When in doubt, pursue reasoned evidence for faith, but accept our limitations and allow for mystery. Okay, both ends. Faith is not without reasonable evidence. Okay, we don't offer blind faith. We don't ask you to accept blind faith. I don't like the phrase blind faith because there is evidence that what the Bible says is real is really real. Now, you can pursue lines of evidence. There is evidence that this world did not come from nothing, that, that this universe... It's not a cosmic accident that there was not at one time absolutely nothing and then the next moment there was everything. Accidentally, randomly, there is evidence to believe that this universe was carefully designed with order and that's why it functions the way that it does. There's evidence that our bodies was designed with order and specificity and that's why our bodies respond and react in certain ways. There's, there's, ev- there's lines of evidence for that. There's evidence that there was a man named Jesus who was a, 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 a rabbi and teacher who died and is believed to have risen again. There's evidence for those things. We're not asking you to set aside reason in order to trust. And especially if your questions are are more intellectual in nature and good for you if they are. God gave you a mind that you would use it and that you would apply it. But pursue the evidence for the things that we believe at the same time. Not every question we have about Jesus or everything we want to know about God comes with a clear answer. It just doesn't, and I'll be honest about that. My brain cannot fully comprehend and understand all that God is and all that God is capable of doing. If it could, if God 
in all of his glory and majesty fit into the logic of my brain he would not be a really big God because I don't have a really big brain there are limits to my ability as a creature as a created one to fully comprehend the one that created me and created all of the universe there is an element of mystery there's an element of trust but that's not to say that there are no reasons and evidence for many of the things that we believe when Jesus responded to John he didn't even give him a specific answer. Notice Jesus' response in verse 4. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. John's question is, Are you the Messiah or is there another? And Jesus could have said, I'm, I'm the one. Go back and tell John I'm the one. He doesn't give him that clear answer, does he? Jesus says, tell John what's happening. Tell John to look around. Tell John, take a deep breath, and to know that God is at work. When in doubt, look around with eyes to see. Jesus uses this language, people who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And what he means is people whose heart are open to hearing spiritual things because not everybody's heart is. And I don't know whose is and who's not. I'm not saying that. I don't get to decide that, right? But, but Jesus said often, you know, there's some people that are just, they're closed off right now. They are resistant to God. They have a wall built up. They're defensive. They're, they're angry or hostile or hurt or whatever. They're not going to have eyes to see, at least right now. When you are doubting, when you are questioning, I, I challenge you, look around with eyes to see and see if God doesn't affirm himself to you. See if in your looking around, if you don't see evidence that God is doing something in someone's life, you don't see evidence that God is at work in ways that you can't fully explain, that there are prayers that are being answered even though some prayers aren't being answered in the way we want them to be, that people's lives are being changed, that there are people that you love and care about and respect who really believe this and their lives are different because of it. look around Jesus says look around watch have eyes to see don't don't shut yourself off from what God is trying to say to you because in your doubts just like with Thomas and Peter and John and others in the scriptures Jesus is not saying well if you doubt you're out Jesus is saying I love you I'm patient with your doubts I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show myself to you. I want to speak to you. Just look around. Just see. Just listen to what God may be saying to you. The doubting season is, it's a hard season for all of us. Those times of questioning are difficult and our questions and our doubts are valid, but God is real. Jesus is true. 
Jesus wants to break through your doubts even more than you want to come out of your doubts. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you even more than you want that to happen. So Jesus would say to you what he said to John. Look around. Be patient. Look around. Look at what God is doing. Look at where you do see God and the movement of His Spirit and keep walking towards that. Keep moving towards that. Keep moving through the hallway of your doubts to the other side because on the other side will be a deeper, richer, more fulfilling doubt. Like your questions, they're not a dead end. Your questions are the path to a deeper, more mature more sustaining faith so keep going keep walking God we thank you that you are patient with our doubts that you respond to our doubts that you don't leave us in our doubts I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear even in the hardest of questions, the deepest of hurts and burdens and whys and why nots, that you would keep our hearts sensitive to you. Maybe there's somebody here, God, that they're ready to walk away. They have walked away. They're thinking about walking away. Right now as we sing, remind them that you're real that you're here that you love them bring to mind times in their past when they were so sure and so confident give them the courage not to explain that away to trust it and to trust you for I pray it in Jesus name Amen